0: Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Our focus tonight will be on verses 15 and 16. Children, here are your questions. First, how do we praise God with our lips? And two, how do we praise God with our lives? And three, will our love for God show in the way that we love and care for others? Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, this is the word of God. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. There ends a reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do thank you for your holy word. And we thank you that we can hear your voice through your word. And we pray that as we move from the reading of your word to preaching, that you would help us in a special way, help the preacher to communicate that which you would have us receive. And Lord, help us all as we hear your message from your servant to receive from you that which we need to hear. And we pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Well, there really can't be anything more satisfying to the Christian soul than to live in a way that's pleasing to God, to do the things that are pleasing to God or things That should at least please our own souls. Uh, The most startling phrase in our short passage this evening might be just that, uh, that we can actually do those things that are pleasing to God. Dr. John Brown from Edinburgh, Scotland says this, he says, he wrote, this surely is a very strong incitement to offer such sacrifices, the sacrifices that we read about. This surely is a very strong incitement to offer such sacrifices, an exceeding great reward for offering them. Beyond this, the highest aspirations of a Christian cannot go. It is all he can wish. It is above all that he can think. To have the approbation of good men is delightful. To have the approbation of our own conscience is more delightful still. But to have the approbation of God, this is surely the highest recompense a creature can reach. Well, through Christ, we can actually live lives and do things that are pleasing to God. But that's an important phrase, too, through Christ. Through Christ, who strengthens us, we can do the things that we're called to do. I want you to jump back in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, good reminder to us of what Jesus tells us about ourselves, but also the fact that by being united to him, by being in him, we can actually bear good fruit. Again, it's through Christ. And I was just going to read a few verses in here, but I want to read a little more to get a more sense of the context and to see where we're going with our passage this evening. John 15, beginning in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And I'll just read there, but the point is that that we can't do anything bearing good fruit without Christ, but that because we're united with Christ, that we can actually bear fruit that's pleasing in the sight of the Lord. In our passage tonight, there are two particular things that the author points to, two things that are sacrifices, things that well up from grateful hearts because of what Christ has done. If you go back just a little bit in Hebrews, you remember that we read about how Christ was a sacrifice for us and that in him we have life. And so, looking back on the things that Christ has done, things that have been explained in Hebrews throughout, things more recently expre- explained, uh, we can live our lives with grateful hearts to the Lord. Live our lives with grateful hearts to the Lord. But this, this term sacrifice may be a little disturbing to us because very often sacrifices are, are intended or seen to be intended towards winning God's favor, winning his merit trying to appease God, or if you're a pagan, gods. Not the case here. These sacrifices are, are sacrifices in response to God's grace. So you might ask yourself, well, because of God's grace and his salvation, what can I do? What can I bring? What can I bring to God? What can I bring to add to my salvation? And the answer to that is is zero. Zero top lady the hymn writer nothing in my hand i bring simply to the cross i cling that has to do with salvation but then when it comes to our lives we can bring praise and service and that's where our passage brings us i would say that that's almost supposed to be a genuine auto reply to a life of salvation a life of gratitude in response to what god has given and again these two things These two sacrifices are in response to that. Sacrifice of praise and regular care for others are the two sacrifices that he points to. Sacrifices of praise. First, I want to mention that our whole lives are to be sacrifice offerings to God out of thanksgiving. Not meritorious again. We're complete in Christ, but as a free expression of grateful hearts, which pleases God. And so first I would say our whole life, everything in our life, in a way, is to be offered unto God as a living sacrifice. Everything. Oft quoted is Abraham Kuyper. And he says there, and it's maybe often quoted too much, but he says this, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ is sovereign over all, and that he does not cry, Mine. Well, this is often applied to the bigger things right the universe and the world it's often applied to the fact that the christ that christians have a cultural mandate but what i want to ask is is does this apply to our whole life every square inch does every square inch of your life belong to the lord well if you belong to jesus it does but are you willingly offering up everything in your life or are there Parts of that that you're holding back, that you're not offering up to the Lord, that you're not sacrificing, as it were, to the Lord. Havergal, another hymn writer, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. I would say that is a very comprehensive song, a very comprehensive prayer. All that I could possibly be, all that I possibly own or have, let it be unto you. Here's some of the things. Here's the things that are pointed out. My life, my time, my hands, my feet, my voice, my assets, my intelligence, my will, my heart, my love. What's left? There's nothing left. I actually like the simple way that Watts puts it. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And so that's our Whole life sacrifice to the Lord. Paul puts it this way in Romans twelve. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, who is your spiritual worship. Which is I'm sorry, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good. And acceptable and perfect that's our whole life sacrifice the focus here is narrower that which comes from our hearts and flows out of our mouths i think that's actually the easier of the two sacrifices that we'll look at tonight but our expression our expression of praise to god how do we express our praise to god what is the content of that praising god for his person Praising God as the Trinity, each person. We're told that we're to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise Him according to His attributes. I want us to do something a little unusual tonight. I want you to take your hymnal, the Trinity hymnal in front of you. I want you to turn to page 869. A little catechism exercise tonight. looking for content on how to praise God. What do we say when we want to praise God? We have all of scripture to help us. I find question four in the shorter catechism, the Westminster shorter catechism. The simple question is what is God? The answer is God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So what we're really supposed to do is to take each one of those first three things, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and then apply them to his being, his wisdom, his power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. So you expand on these things about God. Put it this way, I'll just take the first one. God is infinite in his being. He's infinite in his wisdom. He's infinite in his power infinite in his holiness, infinite in his justice, infinite in his goodness, infinite in his truth. If that's not a heartful or a mouthful of praise to God, I don't know what is, and you can do that with each one, but think of the attributes of God. And so those are things that we can praise God with our tongues, giving us content, praise him for his work, for his work of creation, for his works of providence, for his work of salvation. Do you praise him for the work of salvation on a regular basis? Stay in the catechism here. And now I want you to turn over to page 871. The things that are listed here are the works of the Holy Spirit in bringing someone to faith in Christ. In Latin, it's called the Ordo salutis. It's the order of salvation here loosely. Think of the things that happened in your life. Let's begin. Let's begin in number 31. What is effectual calling? And I'm just not going to read the questions all the time. I'll just refer to the topic. Effectual calling. Are you thankful? Do you praise God that he called you to believe in him and to follow him and to be his? Justification. Do you thank God, praise God with your tongues that he justified you? Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you can say, I am justified before a holy God No more condemned the way I deserve to be. Thank him for his justification. Keep on going. Thank him that you're adopted by him. I was a child of wrath. Now I'm a child of God. Thank him that he's sanctifying you, that he's not leaving, didn't leave you, for one, in your sinful state, but that he's working in you what's pleasing in his sight. Thank him for all these benefits that we receive from Christ at his death and at his resurrection and at his ascension and think about what we'll receive on his return. Not to mention what we'll receive upon entry into his presence. You see, there's so much that we can thank our great and mighty God for using our tongues and I would suggest that we need to use our tongues. How do we communicate these things to God? Well, first of all, express them. What's in your heart? Are you expressing that to God? Are you looking for content? There's 150 psalms. They're not all praise, but 150 psalms that can guide you. There's plenty of prayers. There's plenty of other things in scripture that can guide you. There are 742 hymns, if you like to sing, in our hymnal. They're not all praise. They're not all necessarily great. But there's some content for you. There's hundreds of songs that you can sing, praise songs to God. There's prayers, there's passages, there's doxologies. So there's all those things, sort of that that formal sense in which we express verbally to God, intentionally praising him. But then what about our regular conversation on a daily basis? Is your faith interwoven with your speech? Think about how we might not want to say praise God in every sentence, but it's not wrong when we're talking about maybe seeing somebody again, knowing the uncertainty of life. There's nothing wrong with saying the Lord willing, Lord willing, I'll see you again. Or when something is there, that is a blessing. Thank the Lord. Or when someone wonders how you can deal with the crises in your life and still have faith by the grace of God is not a bad thing to say. How about those spontaneous responses? Do you verbalize those things? When you look at these magnificent Michigan sunrises, these magnificent Michigan sunsets, And you go out and look at the stars at night, or if you go out and look at the stormy clouds, the lightning in the sky, God is amazing. You ever say that to him? This is maybe a little bit personal, but the other night, it was a beautiful starry night, and I walked out on our deck, and I just sat, and I looked at the sky for a while, and my mind kept going back or up into the universe, just thinking about how great God is, and how magnificent he is and i said out loud i am so small i am so small and i was saying it to god i think you get my point it might not be praise but other spontaneous things see a bad situation lord have mercy that's an acknowledgement that you are very much aware of his presence I was so struck, and it may be such a simple thing, I don't know the man, but maybe you heard about that meteorologist who, who when he was talking about this tornado that was coming, he said, Jesus, help them spontaneously on the air. That was purely out of his heart. Jesus, help them. Well, that's the way we praise God, the sacrifice of praise from our lips. But don't forget this, that that's not all that God receives as a sacrifice to praise. Because there's the second one that's a little harder. It's care that flows from the heart into actions towards others. That regular compassion, that care for others. The early church seemed to have latched onto this pretty well. If you jump over to Acts chapter 4. They latched on pretty quickly to the fact that they were to care for one another. They had to straighten some things out, but here's what we read in Acts 4.32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold or, or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. And so the early church understood that a part of their response of thanksgiving to what God had done in the Lord Jesus Christ was care for one another. It wasn't anything new, but they put it into practice right there on the spot. But we are to praise God with our tongues, and that's good and excellent from our hearts, but never without actions. You might not want to turn there, but I'll jump back to Micah chapter 6. This is Micah 6, verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? requirement of saints a blessed requirement that we should all delight in that compassion that sympathy in action a few other passages james reminds us this way what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them go in peace be warmed and filled Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. And then John in First John 3, this By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love in word. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. There's a whole wide range of needs, that's for sure. And sometimes the physical needs of people can be overwhelming. I don't know how many, but I know it's a lot, of emails I get every week asking for money for some crisis from legitimate ministries too. They're not these, you know, ones that are out there. But hunger here, disease there, oppression here. We need your help. We need money. And so we can get overwhelmed. But if we at least bring it closer to home, we realize that there may be immediate needs here. This isn 't necessarily a particularly needy congregation, but there are certainly needy believers around here but there 's a challenge even for a church like ours well, the people that we interact who have regular needs. I always think of this challenge because the needs aren 't always physical very often they are, and we tend to respond well to physical needs. I always put it this way if If someone breaks a leg, we're there at the ready. If someone has a heart attack, we know how to handle that. But it gets a little harder, doesn't it, when we recognize that somebody has cancer. That's a scary thing to approach. It's a scary thing to try to minister to someone who you know has cancer and maybe even starting to fade quickly from their cancer. I used to end there and think that that was the hardest kind of need to meet but then I realized that there may be some that are even more difficult the emotional needs of a broken person I think harder even than dealing with cancer or emotional needs of a broken person as a person who's dealing with mental illness and God's people aren't necessarily exempt from that kind of stuff but you see the point is that we have opportunities to minister and it takes grace and it takes resolve and it takes compassion Maybe even more difficult than dealing with mental illness is spiritual darkness that sometimes sometimes clouds even a saint's heart and darkens their souls. And so don't think that we have a lack of needs. And so I encourage us, us, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are are of the household of faith. And so these two sacrifices, the sacrifice of praise from our tongues and the sacrifice of regular care for others are things that the author says are supposed to be constant. The regular habit of the Christian church and of the Christians that make up the Christian church. Well again, it should be I don't mean this in a trite way, but this should be an auto-reply, so to speak, of salvation, a response of gratitude that's pleasing in the eyes of God. I want to rephrase what I read by Dr. John Brown earlier. I hope he wouldn't mind. He's been long gone, but rephrase what he said that I think was spot on. This surely is a very strong encouragement to offer such sacrifices, an amazing great reward for offering them. Our highest goal can't go higher than this. It is all we can wish. It is above all that we can think. To have the approval of good men is delightful. To have the approval of our own conscience is even more delightful still. But to have the approval of God, this is surely the highest reward a creature can reach. Well, for the humble heart to please God is in itself a wonderful, soul-satisfying blessing. And may that blessing be ours through the grace of God and his work in our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the mercy that you've shown to us and We do ask that, first of all, our whole lives would be thank offerings to you, that we would hold nothing back in our lives, but that we would offer up our lives as an offering of praise and gratitude to the God of our salvation. We pray that we would not hesitate to praise you with our tongues, to express with our mouths the things that are in our hearts in gratitude towards you. Lord, we also know that it's pleasing in your sight when we genuinely care for one another, especially for those in need. Lord, sensitize our hearts, give us hearts of compassion, help us to minister to one another according to the needs that we have in the lives around us. And Lord, as you've told us in your word, to be especially sensitive to those who are of the household of faith. We pray these things in the name of the one who had great compassion and has great compassion on our souls, the one that we praise, our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The closing hymn is 591, Jesus Calls Us. And we'll please stand when we sing.